0: Hello, and welcome to Cavancast. I I mean, welcome to Cavancast. Scared yet? Ooh, That reminds me of, um... You are welcome to Grizzly Tales for Gruesome Kids. I bet that unlocked some memories for some of you. There. Especially the, uh, the British kids. Grizzly tales for gruesome kids. Anyway, welcome to this year's Halloween special of Caverncast. This episode is not for the faint of heart. It's going to sound relaxing, it's going to sound chilled, but the subject matter is oh so scary. Seriously though it's it's not it's not that bad but i imagine there is going to be some talk of some uh horror-ish subjects like some gore and some spooky stories i don't know but yeah it's it's, it's not going to be anything crazy so don't worry too much but i hope you're well i hope you're doing all right this has been a good week for me it's been very day to day, but it's been very consistent. And it's been, um, well, it's been up and down, but it's been, it's been deal withable. And, um, yeah, it's good. I'm still engaging my good habits. So, um, yes. Yeah, the positivity is here. My brain is working, which is good for this Halloween episode. So strap in while i take you on a spooky themed journey i feel like i'm not good at that i don't i, ooh, I just sound like a parody of itself maybe on a kid show or something like that but i don't know I don't know. I think I've just I've watched too much like Simpsons and Family Guy, where everything is just sort of a parody of itself. So when I say it, that's what is going on in my head. That's how I sound to myself. Like, ooh. (laughs) I suppose I should just say it normally, really. Like, welcome to the Cavern Cast Halloween Special. Maybe that. Maybe maybe that's better. I don't. I don't know. Anyway. Let us uh let us get on. I hope you're dressed up in costume while you're listening to this. You better be. It's part of the unspoken contract you signed when you started listening to this podcast. Ooh. If you um if you haven't listened to Cavan Cast before, what an interesting episode to start on. Uh, first of all, but secondly uh This is a podcast for you to chill out to To relax to, most of the time Anyway, uh, where I generate five random words Using a random word generator I normally say that the other way around But I've, I'm swapping it up today Halloween special um, And then I just, I talk about them I talk about whatever, whatever pops up I will be honest, today the words were not random. I have chosen the words today. Heresy, I know, is terrible, but I wanted to go with the Halloween theme. So I took control. I took dominion over the words. So yeah, sit back, relax in your mummy costume or your sexy uh, fast food Worker Costume, I don't know I don't know what your thing is You might be dressed up as Gollum from Lord of the Rings I don't know I mean that's quite sexy so send me a picture But For now I will carry on with the words While you relax This is gonna get chaotic isn't it We are starting With Zombie Zombie, zombie, zombie. It doesn't get much more Halloween than zombie, does it? Um there is there's so much pop culture surrounding zombies and I can totally see why I I was obsessed when I was growing up. Well, I I was obsessed with the idea of how I would survive a zombie apocalypse should it ever occur, which at this point it wouldn't even surprise me if it did. With the way of the world, like, if, if if suddenly the TV, you know, changed off of Adventure Time and was like, breaking news. Well, actually, it wouldn't even be the TV, let's be honest. A lot of us would find out that the world is being ravaged by zombies through Twitter or TikTok. I guarantee, I guarantee by the time, like, 80% of us find out that there's a zombie apocalypse happening, there will already be memes about it by the time we find out. And the terrifying thing is, I don't think that's an exaggeration at all. I was having a conversation with my friend about how, like, if not, if there's not already, definitely in 10, 5, 10, 20 years, there's going to be a looking back at history thing and memes will be a very prominent part of teaching cultural history which is so crazy to think about but yeah I definitely I, I definitely think there's there will be some people who will find out about civilization as we know it being ravaged by brain-eating reanimated corpses by someone doing an EDM remix of a zombie making a weird sound that somebody recorded during an attack j I mean I mean think about it if the si- if the sound of that guy snoring, you know the one that's like oh, oh if that if that's can go viral, the zombie sound definitely will one hundred percent, but that is um that's getting way too far into the state of the world. <laughs> Which, although that might be scarier than probably any of the words I'm going to come out with today, it's still not very Halloween themed. Uh, so let's stick to zombie for now. So yeah, I was I was obsessed with surviving zombies to the point where I purchased books like um, I had the Zombie Survival Guide by Max Brooks, who was also the guy who wrote World War Z. I think, and, um, yeah, that book would, uh, the zombie survival guide would like dispel a load of myths about common survival methods that just, they wouldn't work in the way that people think they would. Um, like one of my favorite ones, was like everyone who says Oh, yeah, I'd just go into a supermarket and and like haul up there. And he put it so well. he said, "Why do you think supermarkets have massive windows? It's so you can see all like the tempting food inside during a zombie apocalypse. If you haul up in a supermarket, you are the food that you can see, that the zombies can see." through those windows, you are the appetizing treat that they are looking at. It's stuff like that, and I found that really entertaining. So um yeah, there was there was a point where I was like, I was ready, man. I was like I didn't have like a whole survival kit ready. I might have had like a couple of cans of beans and maybe a knife. But yeah, I think I had that and I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good to go. Oh, no, I had a samurai sword. That was right. <laughs> I was like, I'm good. I'm good to go. That'll that be fine. Oh, how wrong I would have been. Again, though, it depends on the zombie. If we're talking like Walking Dead, which I actually need to catch up on. Thanks for reminding me. Me? No worries, me. Huh. Um, but if we're talking Walking Dead and they're just sort of like idly vibing and just walking around uh, Then yeah, I'd probably, I'd be alright for like a decent while 28 days later zombies Hell no Not a chance In hell My cardio is not that good and them bitches is fairest. I'd probably just accept it at that point, I reckon. Who knows? I mean, I I don't think you can ever really say with stuff like that unless you're in this situation. Brains are a weird thing. I guess that's why they want them. I guess that's why they want to chow down. Wait, do do zombies specifically want brains, or is that an offensive stereotype? Because I've seen a lot of zombie stuff where they're just eating... Every part of dat fleshy goodness. Hang on, give me a second. Give me a second. So, after a little bit of research, uh, George Romero's *Night of the Living Dead* seems to be the origin of a lot of the current ideas of what zombies are. So, *Night of the Living Dead*, *Dawn of the Dead*, and *Day of the Dead* they all depict zombies is having a um, a little penchant for chowing down on an arm or two but apparently Return of the Living Dead was the film that introduced the idea of zombies eating brains specifically. So old George is responsible for a lot of this apparently but he wasn't responsible for the fast zombies that strike fear into my little heart Um, apparently that was the video game series House of the Dead oh and also Resident Evil so basically Japan just went yeah they're not fast enough Let's, let's sort that out let's fix that thanks Japan appreciate the nightmares arigato gozaimasu you dicks. Resident Evil was one of the first games I played on virtual reality as well, and I was very hungover. It was one of the worst decisions I have ever made in my life. <laughs> and I have made some bad decisions. But the, um, the actual origins of zombies go back way further than this. Um, they go back to Haitian and African folklore. Um, It's been said that Haitian slavery and voodoo were involved in creating many of the stories and the fear mongering behind zombies. Uh, Voodoo would be used by a, a Boko or a Boko, a sorcerer that practices necromancy, among other types of magic. Necromancy being magic to do with the dead, I think yeah magic to do with the with the dead uh the boko would i'm I'm hoping it's boko not boko um the boko would bring the corpse of the dead back to life and keep them under their control to do i don't know I assume either the cleaning or murder depends on their priorities I wasn't there, so I can't be sure um I feel like I feel like so many stories from back then would have been based around the idea of fear of control and because of the the lack of science and because of magic being such a prominent like um I guess belief system that that seems like a, a very obvious way to go. There's a lot of you know this is a lot of conjecture, but I, it would make sense. And the idea of physical zombie-like creatures is present in some South African cultures as well. Um, In some communities, it is believed that a dead person can be zombified by a small child. It is said that the spell can be broken by a powerful enough sangoma. It is also believed in some areas of South Africa that witches can zombify a person by killing and possessing the victim's body to force it into slave labour. After the rail lines were built to transport migrant workers, stories emerged about witch trains. These trains appeared ordinary, but were staffed by zombified workers controlled by a witch. So, I guess, like, how a lot of the tube drivers look on the underground today I mean have you ever seen a subway or a tube driver a lot of them look like they're zombified anyway mind you I probably would be if I was there as well actually I quite like the have you ever seen the videos of like the people I've never experienced it and it's really annoying but um the people that film videos of um Train drivers that come over the Tanoi system and they just they like really narrate well the journey like they they'll sort of be like a little tour guide for what's going on and um they'll be like the next station is blah, 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 blah. funny thing about this place this is where my girlfriend dumped me or like something funny like that like they've always got kind of like a little bit of a dark sense of humor I really want to experience that and then some of them are just like I hope you've had a really good day a really good journey on the northern line today thank you for travelling with us like, that's what I'd do that's what I'd be, I'd just, I'd pull out episodes of Cast just over the tannoy, I'd just, I'd just say that I would just chat nothing over <laughs> over the tannoy system, yeah, but then everyone would probably fall asleep I'd get fired because I made people like miss, miss their jobs anyway so the trains would abduct a person boarding at night. Okay, that's different. And the person would either then be zombified or beaten and thrown from the train a distance away from the original location. I feel like this has roots in reality somewhere. But it's like a lot of these things. It's like, like you know, the grizzly bear thing being Bigfoot. Like a lot of them are grounded in reality. And it's just ways for humans to comprehend stuff, I guess. Um, it's also it's crazy to me that we've gone from the idea of zombies being slaves to now in pop culture the idea of zombies representing freedom and like liberation that's often what they're sort of like symbolic for and like because they're like a breakaway from society and they're just completely like you know, a, a force of their own. Kind of love that. I love that change in narrative. Change up the story. Hell yeah. I support the zombies. Vote zombie today. Speaking of breaking away from society, here's one for the emos and goths. Cemetery. I was, I was definitely one of the kids that hung out in cemeteries as a kid. Always respectfully. Though, we were never, like, chilling on gravestones or anything. Um, I don't know, is there a difference between cemeteries and graveyards? There might be. One moment, please, caller. Okay, apparently there is a slight difference. A graveyard is technically a type of cemetery, but a cemetery is not a graveyard. All the way back in the seventh century, where people did quite a bit of dying, I imagine, Christian burials had to happen on hallowed ground, which meant the land by a church. That was the hallowed, holy ground. This land was called the churchyard, and the specific place the burials were performed was called the graveyard. Ta da! But as more and more people started to exist, as is tradition when time moves forward and people be boinking more and more, see, it's nice to dispel horror Halloween episodes with words like boink, takes the pressure off a little bit, just just punctures that tension just a little bit, boink. Uh, so yeah, as more and more people started to exist, more and more people started to unexist uh to the point where graveyards that were by churches they they got a little bit cozy with that many potential zombies chilling underground so uh they started to create purpose-built cemeteries to house the dead which yeah that makes sense so it's like a it's like an etymological and geographical, bang. Oh, and cemetery came from, like, the word cemetery came from the old French cimetière, which means graveyard. Brilliant. But um, now it feels like it should be the other way around. Oh, but cimetière. I hope that, is that how you pronounce it? Sure, cimetière came from, oh god, this isn't going to be right, koimatarion, 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 I don't know how else to pronounce that, which means, uh, it's, it's Greek, that's the Greek, which means a sleeping place, and that makes it seem like it should be the other way around again. Language is hard, man, Look, Can we? Do, let's, we're going to say they're the same, They are the same thing. They're both sleeping places. Until they're not. Nice little reference to the previous word. Yeah, I know. Just making sure you caught it. But yeah, so um, technically we hung out in cemeteries when we were kids. Because I don't think there were any churches... By the ones we frequented. Either way, I, I, I do feel that cemeteries have a certain energy about them. I don't know if that's something we project onto them because we know what's buried in them. But um, either way, the whole circle of life thing is so prominent in places like cemeteries. Yeah, it's interesting because, like the lyric says, "There is far too much to take in here." <laughs> of course, that came out cursive. Um, yeah, there's there's far too much to take in here. What was I even gonna say? Yeah, it's it's hard to um, it's hard to fathom everything that that goes into and like that comes from death and you know where we go afterwards if anywhere at all and uh, I think there comes a point where regardless of your belief system just accepting that it is whatever it is is probably the most peaceful option and that's that's what I always found graveyards and cemeteries to be just peaceful um, there's a tranquility to them that I think comes from the idea of rest and that that, that kind of that final mindset of just that, that nothing around you has any problems anymore they're just kind of done with it unless you were like mad about cleaning and you had Bird shit on your grave. That that would do my nut, to be honest. So unless that was the case, I think you'd be fine. No problems and very peaceful. That's what I feel about cemeteries. I have I have nothing else to say. But carrying on with the afterlife theme, mummy is the next word. Recently watched both, both, recently watched both mummy movies again, actually, because, uh, you know, as we all know, there's only two. There's only two mummy movies they didn't, we don't talk about any others. There's only two. All right. Um, There are only two mummy movies. Glad we've cleared that up. And uh, watching them again has made me realise that so much of why I am the way I am is because of those movies, especially The Mummy Returns. I watched that movie so many times throughout the ages of like seven to 10, and it had such a chokehold on me. Well, let's get more specific. Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz had a chokehold on me. I don't know how many times I've mentioned them in this podcast now but I don't really care and any excuse I have to talk about them I will in my mind they were like the perfect couple they were like Jim and Pam times 20 oh my days I mean I just started watching The Office again which is why they were the first ideal couple that came to mind but oh my god just like just so many green flags man so many green flags just living for adventure but really taking care of each other and like standing by their ideals but also going to the ends of the earth for the other person oh love it but yeah I don't um, I don't know how accurate those movies are to Egyptian history and I kinda don't wanna know Because I imagine... Not very. I don't really want to look any deeper because I've had a lot of movies ruined for me because of finding out stuff that has completely smashed the illusion. But I'm sure, like, the majority of stuff in The Mummy and The Mummy Returns is total crap. (laughs) But it's okay. Speaking of ruining illusions and Egypt, um. So, you know, last episode I, I was talking about lettuce and how they figured out that it was probably grown like 6,000 years ago because of ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs Well, someone told me that the symbolism behind the hieroglyphical lettuce was actually aphrodisi- aphrodisiacal? Aphrodisi- wait, aphrodisiac aphrodisiacal (coughs) that's not the word aphrodisiacal that doesn't sound right either but we're gonna go with it aphrodisiacal it was an aphrodisiac it was a hieroglyphical aphrodisiac that's a sentence it was a sexual thing for about 3000 years lettuce was associated with the Egyptian god of fertility men because it resembled a phallus so I guess it was not like the iceberg lettuce that was like really round, unless we're getting into like chode territory but... but <laughs> oh god, um, that that came out way too easily um, It was, you know, the, the, the lettuces that were longer I guess. I am stunned by this information and this is going down a strange path, so I'm gonna say thanks for that Morgan, much appreciated. Anyway... Mummies here's something here's something that I definitely didn't know, and I'm going to boldly assume that you didn't know either if you do if you do do know or did know, I apologize, but I don't think you will. Did you know mummification of one mummy took seventy days, oh yeah. They don't just go like, oh, here's a corpse, wrap him in paper. No, no, no. According to the Smithsonian, special priests worked as embalmers treating and wrapping the body. As well as knowing the correct rituals and prayers to be performed at various stages, the priests also needed a detailed knowledge of human anatomy. The first step in the process was the removal of all the internal parts that might decay rapidly. The brain was removed by carefully inserting special hooked instruments up through the nostrils. This is that gory bit I was talking about at the beginning. Um, in order to pull out bits of brain tissue. Oh, I did know this because in The Mummy, Evie says, what does she say? What's the quote? It's definitely in my head. Uh, they take a they take a sharp red hot poker, stick it up your nose, scramble things about a bit, and then rip it all out through your nostrils. Yeah, see, I did know that. Oh, it was a delicate operation, the Smithsonian says. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Okay. One which could easily disfigure the face. There's that's one of those things that the mummy could have missed out on on accuracy, I guess. Unless, sometimes, you know, maybe they were understaffed. Didn't have 70 days, they uh, pushed for time, so they only had 35. So they were like, okay, it's time for the express service. Do you know what, considering the the state of healthcare in the world right now, it just wouldn't surprise me if that was the case back then. So so then the embalmers removed the organs of the abdomen... Abdomen, that doesn't sound right. Ab, abdomen. Yeah, it's not abdomen. Ad. Cool. Brain stopped. Abdomen. They removed the organs of the of the abs. They took out the abs, they took out the sick abs, and uh, and chest <laughs> through a cut usually made on the left side of the abs. Uh, They left only the heart in place, believing it to be the center of a person's being and intelligence. Hmm. The other organs were preserved separately with the stomach, liver, lungs and intestines placed in special boxes or jars, today called canopic jars. Ah, they did that in in the mummy. These were buried with the mummy. And later mummies, uh, the organs were treated, wrapped, and replaced within the body. Huh. Even so, unused canopic jars continued to, to be part of the burial ritual. I'm, I'm starting to feel like the only reason we don't do mummification now is because it just takes up too much time. It's bad for business, it's just not profitable, you know. Capitalism, man. It's just... You know, ruin so many good processes. Bring back mummification, bring back mummification. Don't bring back mummification. Uh, The moisture was then removed from the body using a type of salt called natron. Covering the entire body and sucking it all out of there. Like... One... Unless you had the express service and they just sucked it all out through a straw. Once they were all dry as, I was going to say dry as a bone, but bones are wet most of the time, aren't they? Well, not if you're a mummy, I suppose. We're thinking too much into this. Once they were nice little raisins, a hundred yards of linen was used to wrap them up. There would often be amulets and other sacred things placed within the wrappings to protect the dead on their travels. Layers of resin were used at different stages of the wrapping to keep it secure. And then a final shroud that was placed around the mummy, which made the process complete. And they probably looked much better than me on Halloween, wrapped in about three rolls of Andrex. Who am I kidding? It was Tesco's own toilet paper. But, and and you know what? It's fine. I looked good. For about half an hour. Until I started to fall apart. (laughs) Me and my costume. (sighs) I feel educated now though. You know, I'll definitely take some tips from this if I ever dress as a mummy again. I'll do it properly this time. I now have the wisdom. Speaking of dressing up, I think, I think I've seen some better werewolf costumes at parties than I have in some actual films. Werewolf is the next word. And although I think they are probably my favorite mythical monster, they make it really difficult to defend them in pop culture with how bad some of them are, like Man, actually this might be kind of a controversial opinion I don't know but Remus Lupin love the guy Harry Potter crappy werewolf like would be scary as hell to see in real life but just not a good werewolf in my eyes I'm sorry that's just how I feel that's just my opinion bro however the lichens in Underworld top notch but I know some people don't like them either also, I thought the werewolf transformation in Van Helsing wasn't that bad either. But I have had full on debates with people as to why Van Helsing, as in the one with Hugh Jackman in it, is a good film. And people will not have it. People will not have it. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just quirky like that. Or maybe I wouldn't know a good movie. If it turned into a wolf and bit me in the neck, Uh can't say I don't have good puns though. No, even if I am a terrible judge of film, I'm enjoying myself, and as long as you are too, then all is well. We're all on a spinning rock; doesn't matter. I'm not going to die on those hills. I might. Let's see. (laughs) You know what, screw it. Let's look at the law. Of werewolves and let's see what let's see what's the most accurate okay let's take it back to the history books the werewolf is a mythological animal and the subject of many stories throughout the world and more than a few nightmares werewolves are according to some legends people who morph into vicious powerful wolves Others are a mutant combination of human and wolf, but all are bloodthirsty beasts who cannot control their lust for killing people and animals. Ah, so Twilight might have got it actually right in some circles. I am Team Jacob, by the way. All the way. So there's quite a few appearances. Greek mythology. Nordic folklore. Folklore. And even the Epic of Gilgamesh Which is old as hell, man It's um, The Epic of Gilgamesh is an ancient Mesopotamian poem That is said to be pretty much the oldest surviving written literature Where the character, the, the main character, Gilgamesh The titular character um, Basically, <laughs> he like completely parred off his lover because in the past she had turned her ex into a wolf. Oh my god, well Petty Um you turned your ex into a wolf? That's kind of a red flag for me. So I I think I think we're done. We're done. Okay. Have a good one. I mean so many horror themes here. She turns her ex into a wolf, then she gets ghosted. Oh. Um Anyway, stories have been around for a while These stories of the transformed beast are usually mythological Although some have a basis in local histories, religions, and cults In 425 BC, Greek historian Herodotus, or Herodotus, uh, described the Nuri a nomadic tribe of magical men who changed into wolf-shapes for several days of the year. The Nuri were from Scythia, Scythia? Scythia. land that is now part of Russia. Using wolf-skins for warmth is not outside the realm of possibility for inhabitants of such a harsh climate. This is likely the reason Herodotus described their practice as transformation, Amazing. So basically, basically, so let's, let's talk about this for what it is. There is a high chance that the ancient mythological curse we now know and speak of today was actually just lads on tour. (laughs) Lads on tour. Probably making excuses to their wives, being like, oh, Sorry, sweetheart, I have to go. It's it's a uh, wolf week. Can't change it; just happens. Ah, uh, I can feel it happening now. Uh, grr, you can hear his mates like snickering outside, like, <coughs> and then like howling like. <laughs> she, she, she'll know, dude. She'll know. She'll know oh that's them babe oh gotta gotta go see you in a week bye <laughs> it's just a big lad's secret werewolves are just one big lad's secret and I've just exposed it I'm so sorry bros I've just broken the code massively I'm so sorry <laughs> uh, that's it isn't it all these stories about monsters just created from probably very common human behavior. That's it. That's all it is. So with that, let's move on to the final word. Ghost. Speaking of stories. um, And I, I don't know. I, th- I think 98, like possibly 99% of the ghost stories around can be put down to the human behavior thing. Or like have a real scientific explanation. To the point where I I don't know if I would say I believe in ghosts or not. But I've always said if I ever experienced anything like that, one, I would just not be surprised anymore. I'd just be like, yep, that makes sense. But I will, yeah, you know, that's how I live my life. If I am provided presented with evidence, I will you know, adapt my beliefs accordingly. And I kind of did do that. I have had a supernatural experience, which I'm not sure if I've spoken about here or not. I think I may have spoken about it in one of the first episodes of Cavancast, like way back then, way back when, but for those who haven't heard, or in case I didn't actually say it, I will tell it again. So, I used to live in London. Um, Should we have some music? Yeah, let's let's have some music for this bit. I used to live in London. I used to live in a big Victorian house with about eight or nine people. There used to be, according to the locals, a hospice for sick children way back in the day. Which is already terrifying. So, one night, I I hadn't been living in this house for that long, I'd, I'd returned home about, well, I, d- I don't know, but it was after midnight, not quite 3am, you know, the witching hour, it wasn't that predictable uh, an event, but um, anyway, when I got home, doesn't matter, my room was on the first floor of this house, and when I went up to bed it must have been about 1 or 1.30 a.m. and the stairs worked in such a way that there was one staircase going up and then a small platform which then turned around into another staircase You with me? Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Stairs up, goes round, upstairs and then you, you get to a little hallway with a couple of other rooms on either side, and then my room at the end of this hallway. Now, downstairs, before the staircase, there are two bedrooms. I had been downstairs for a little while, making myself a little midnight snack, little ham and cheese action, I think it was, so I knew no one was awake down there. And doors in this house can always be heard opening and closing because the house is so old you hear every echo of every little sound that is made. It was great for eavesdropping, could never have a personal DMC, didn't work in that place. So after my little snackette, I make my way upstairs expecting to be able to get into my bed and get to sleep in a very non-disturbed way how wrong I was. I made it up the stairs, and as I put my key into my door to make my way into my cozy warm abode, I heard the unmistakable voice of a small boy no more than 10 years old calling out Hi! I stopped dead. My entire body frozen with my hand gripped upon the key in the door pre-turned. Don't ask me how, but I just knew it wasn't the voice of anyone I lived with. There just wouldn't have been that many goosebumps. There would have been a subconscious search in my brain for the nuance in people's voices that was stored in my memory to rationalize what was going on. And even my brain was like, Well, got nothing for you buddy, sorry. My brain sounds like Beetlejuice, apparently. (laughs) Who knew? (laughs) So, once my composure was regained, I decided, after watching enough horror movies in my time, that I wasn't going to reply to this supposed child. I turned the key as naturally as I could, opened the door, stepped inside my room, and closed the door behind me. I sat on my bed for about half an hour, not moving a muscle, just in case I was to hear little Montgomery's voice again. I feel like he was a Montgomery. That sounds like a Victorian ghost child, right? Yeah, but I never heard him. If I had, my window was open. So you better believe as soon as I heard any other noise from him, Or anything else, I would have been parkouring my way out of that room so damn quickly. No spirit would have been able to catch my ass. But alas, I never heard young Monty again. And you want to know the really messed up thing? I kind of feel bad for not replying. Like, what if he just wanted to play? I'm I'm not even just a people pleaser anymore. Now I'm a damn ghost pleaser. Come on. Like, yeah, okay, he probably would have possessed and or killed me. But at least he wouldn't have been alone. Maybe he just wanted a friend. Which is not the right attitude for that experience at all. So the moral of this tale is stay true to your boundaries, to the living and the dead. And with that, I am going to leave you This Halloween season. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. I certainly have. I am now educated. On way more mythical monsters than I ever was before. And if you celebrate Halloween. I hope you have. Or had. A good one. And regardless of the occasion. Please. Take care of yourself. Please be kind to yourself. And I will speak to you very soon. Scary? No? Okay, maybe next time. (laughs) Goodbye.